everyone, this is your host, Akil Jabbar, and welcome back to another episode of SaaS District. In today's episode, we'll be talking about building a disruptive social entrepreneurship company here in Latin America. Today, we have our guest live with us, Estefania Hernandez, joining us here in Guadalajara. Uh, Estefania is the CEO and founder of Mi Dulce Hogar, a former alternative that facilitates cleaning services for homes in Mexican families, SMBs, and for Airbnb hosts. It's been praised by Forbes and many other many other publications. Estefania is a modern pinnacle, an example of what social entrepreneurship looks like here in Mexico. So thanks for joining us, Estefania. Glad to have you with us today. Thank you, Ikul, for the invitation. I'm really proud to be here today. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So, uh, you know, we always start off the episode. We like to hear, you know, can you share a little bit about your background? What was your past ventures prior to starting this company and what was the reason for the first startup failure, which I think you did before yeah. Middle Silga, right? <laughs> yeah, I have a, my first startup I, I created in 2014. It was a platform where you can um, ask for food for different restaurants. Right now, we have a lot of similar platforms. But in 2014, it was really new here in Mexico and in Guadalajara. And I have a lot of challenges. Uh, I was a solo founder also. I didn't have any experience and I make a lot of big mistakes as okay. uh, so I spend a lot of money and unnecessary things. And that makes me get, get out of money uh, in a really short time. So we have to close the doors. And a month later, uh, one of my father's friends uh, told me that if I want to get a loan uh, of, I think was seven, $700, it was not so much, okay. but he was like, okay, you can take that money and you can start your new startup. And I started to look for real problems that the people were willing to pay me for solve them. Uh, and it was in that moment when I realized that there was a really huge uh, desire for people to, to hire a reliable cleaning service for their homes and offices, because that was a really complicated process that it takes you a lot of times a lot, of, a lot of time because you need to ask for friends and family through social media and even WhatsApp if someone knows a person that can help you with that problem. Sure. So it was a really difficult process. And also I see that the domestic workers market and uh, they doesn't have social security benefits and uh, they don't even have a Christmas bonus. They receive a bag of clothes for Christmas. Okay. <laughs> so there was a really informal profession and I see a way that we can kill uh, two problems with one solution. And that's how start a middle sugar. Very nice. So, you know, just rewinding there. So that's actually a common problem for startups where they run out of cash, right? Yeah. You probably had a good idea. You know, timing was probably good because, you know, they didn't have that many competitors at the time. You said you were inefficient. You spent on the wrong things. What were some of those wrong things you spent on? Oh, the first thing that I made is that I pay for a luxury office. Okay. <laughs> I buy the motorcycles. I hired to deliver a guy. And I, I spend a lot of money before I go out and sell. And, and I say, okay, the first day will be crazy. I will sell a lot. And the first day we came and we didn't sell. I think we sell one order. And, and that's where I see that I should start selling first and then start uh, buying things and spending in, in unnecessary things. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, an office is a common, a common one, right? Yeah. Um, but actually buying equipment. Yeah, that's another, another big one. Um, so what was the thought process of the time you launched Mi Dulce Hogar 2015, right? Um, what was the opportunity? I'm sure at the time you saw something so clearly in your mind that you just were looking to solve that in the market. So I know you spoke about a couple of things, but what else was it? You know, you had a bit of money, somebody invested in you. 
And, you know, you saw a little bit of a gap in the, in the market, but how, how did you think that you could come in and solve that and fix that? Uh, well, first, you see, I didn't have the idea of creating an app at the beginning. I just focused on creating the solution. And the first thing that I made is uh, I take the loan. I made a Wix uh, website, really uh, simple. I buy a new phone for the company and I go out and do cleaning services by myself because I I needed to learn how to do it by myself. And I learned a lot about the customers. I learned what they like, what they didn't like about the service, how much I can charge them for the service. And I actually live uh, how they treat a cleaning lady today. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot and I start to hire the first cleaning ladies and I take them in my car. I I received the payments in cash and it was really, really manual. And I have the office in my room and I interviewed them in my mom's living room. So that's how we started. It helped me a lot because I learned a lot about the customers, about the market, about the clean ladies. And I think that if I begin only searching on Google, I I will never learn about all those things that helped me to grow and and go more deeper into how to solve the problem. And that's where I see that actually people want to pay us uh, for solving that problem. And the cleaning ladies were okay because they will receive uh, social security benefits and they will have a financial stability that working in informality, they don't have it. And how did you, so you had a website, you had a cell phone, so you're waiting for those calls of people to come in. How were people finding you at those initial stages? Because you didn't have a brand, you didn't have that that system (laughs) there. They were just calling you, right? Yeah, it was word of mouth. And it helped me a lot to go and talk every day with the customers because they make... and they they see how the company start and they were willing to help and they were okay if the service was not great at the beginning, but they feel part of the process of growing the company and start. And so they were like, okay, the service was not so good and you need to uh, improve in these areas. And they were talking about us with their closest friend and their families. And that's how we start to grow in organic uh, by word of mouth. And we have a, a fan page on Facebook. It was not so important, but... Mm. And uh, it helped us to to get to new customers with a little bit of campaigns. I love it. So I love that you actually, this time you did something completely different. You didn't invest in a bunch of things. You went out there, did the work yourself versus hiring a driver like you did in the past, yeah. right? <laughs> and it helped you learn how to kind of pivot and adjust the business. Very cool. Um, so I understand you're able to raise like a VC round. I think it was, was it a seed round? No, a, uh, yeah, seed. It was yes. seed, yeah, okay. Um, how difficult was it to get financing here, specifically in Mexico? What was the capital raise strategy and what were some struggles that you went through that process, especially being here versus like, you know, Silicon Valley? Yeah, I think the, the year that we get to go out and ask for our first funding round, it was in 2017, 2018, I think. And I didn't know anything about funding rounds. I didn't even know that that world exists. So I actually go to a, a accelerated program that is called Hackers and Founders mm-hmm. uh, here in Guadalajara. And they teach me a lot about how to make my deck, how to pitch to investors, how to talk with them. And the first time that I go out and ask for money, I didn't get a, do- a dollar mm-hmm. uh, because I, I have no technology product. Um, I was a solo founder and I was a social company. So all of those three things make me mm-hmm. unsexy to investors. So uh, the first time I didn't get anything. And, and casually one day I go to a, a network event with, uh, where a lot of investors were there. And I pitched to one investor and he said like, okay, I have a friend that he could be interested in investing in you. So I, I met uh, our first angel investor there. 
and he get our first $50,000 in investing. And that helped us a lot because we start to uh, create our technology team and that's where we start creating the product. And it was a challenge for us for all that, but getting our second funding round that it, we have it this year in 2020, in January, we closed it. And it was much easier because we already have a product. We have almost like 40,000 services that we have provided until that moment. So it was easier for us. And I think that a good thing that we have starting uh, really with the basics, it was that when we hired the, the technology team in in 2019, we already know uh, what tools the app needs to have because it was not like it was not like we first launched the app and then we see that the customer didn't want those functions. It was like okay, we did it manually for three years, so we already know what we want to create in, mm. in the product, and that was much easier for us. Nice. And so when you received that first fifty thousand in, in angel investment, what was the first thing you guys invested? You said technology. Can you be more specific? Was it hiring like a CTO, a partner? Yeah, we have a t uh, tech leader okay. and we have another two people in the tech team. And in that first round, another uh, family in office uh, came into that round and they invest more. Okay. So we were able to start opening in Mexico City. We go there, uh, we make all the papers, we get the office and we start uh, seeing how the difference the market was and we make like an experiment there and that uh, helped us to open more formally this year. Very nice. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so I think we last met and had a conversation prior to this COVID pandemic. I think it was in February of yeah. 2020, right? Um, so I imagine there's been a big impact on your business model through these last few months. You know, first of all, how were you guys impacted by COVID, you know, positively or negatively? Um, and especially with users you know, being in their homes, being small businesses and then also Airbnb hosts, right, We're, who are yeah. obviously affected quite a bit. Uh, well, I think the, the big impact for us it was during uh, April and May. Uh, our services demands go down by 40 percent. And yeah, it was a really difficult time because uh, we were an essential service here in Mexico, so we can start, we can continue working during those months. But the problem was that the customers didn't want to receive us in their homes. They were really scared of having someone in there. And so we need to start looking for new options to sell, to get, keep running, to keep selling. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that we make is that we make a sanitizer services uh, because we realize that a lot of uh, restaurants and offices, we need to start opening again. And uh, so we we see an opportunity there and we start giving those services in Guadalajara and there then and later in Mexico City. And also we start selling clinic products through our app. Mm. We see that maybe customers didn't want to go out to make their their gross shopping grocery shopping. Mm -hmm. uh, so we start selling selling them through the app. And also we realize that the customers want to keep paying for their cleaning services and not receiving them to help us to pay the payroll. So we create really? a prepaid uh, package mm. where people can uh, pay for two, five, ten cleaning services and they can receive it later or we they we can use that money for the payroll. Also. And was that a decision at the time like to make that little pivot? It was just, you know, trying to be creative and, and see what would work, like trying to sell uh, actual products and those prepaid or was it something that the, the, the users were telling you? Uh, the cleaning product, it was something that they ask us uh, a lot of times because we only 
go there and do the cleaning with the products that the customer have in their homes. But the problem is that, I don't know, maybe for students or people who live alone, they sometimes we arrive and they don't have even a broom or something. They don't have anything. Okay. So we solve, we want to solve that problem also. And the prepaid uh, packages, it, that was something new that the customers asked us to do. Mm. And the sanitizer services, it was an opportunity that we see that it will be increasing in the next months. Nice. And then now, you know, uh, where we now, October 2020, almost November, how much percentage of your revenue or sales comes from those three new products you added? I think that maybe a 15% of the 15%? sales came from those new services because the good thing is right now we recovered uh, totally from the same amount of services that we were giving in February before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So right now the cleaning services uh, rise again. Uh, but yeah, we still have, we still give those extra services uh, right now in both cities. It's a good upsell, right? Um, what, what trends are you guys currently seeing with businesses specifically in their cleaning patterns compared to, to, to before? Like, are they, is the frequency higher? Are they cleaning more because of the panic and they're worried? Or are they still, you know, fearful of... of uh yeah, um, maybe um, they keep asking us with the same frequency, talking about homes. Yeah. And but maybe they get less uh, amount of services for a week because of the economic mm -hmm. uh, most of it. Mm -hmm. And the offices, and that was like twenty percent of our market before the pandemic, and right now I think it's the ten, uh, because a lot of people is doing home office, so it's not case. And a lot of also a lot of. Um, and offices that we gave services, they shut down. Right. And so that impacts us in the beginning. So they keep um, buying the service, but maybe with uh, a less frequency. Got it. So I'm assuming going forward, the focus would probably more be more residential, right? And mm, yeah. To, yeah, yeah. we focus right now mostly in residentials. And Airbnb is also because people are traveling local. So mm -hmm. that helps us that the Airbnb being activated again. Makes sense. Um, so you've approached this marketplace a little bit differently, actually a lot differently than how many startups have, right? Um, we've had other guests such as Liz Pierce from uh, Fresh Chalk. We had Diego Gomez from uh, Rock Content. He's the CEO there. Um, it feels like you've disrupted this house cleaning services in, in the country, right? From the way the law protects the, the, uh, the, the workers and what they offer. So uh, you're offering benefits. You're offering... Uh, use of technology, like a, a clear organization, a rewards program, I think some uh, English courses and actual salaries, right? Whereas, is, is that correct? Yeah. Am I correct? Okay. Um, <laughs> and the key points on, a, and I think that's a key point of what you guys have and how you guys can attract more workers, right? And contracts. Uh, how do you support that financial model? Because that's that's a huge risk you're taking. With you know, there's a lot of challenges around that as well, right? Yeah, yeah, we have more challenges than um, just a marketplace where you connect people because mm -hmm. they are actually your employees. <laughs> yeah. And so our service is more expensive than the competitors. That's a fact because we have to pay for the extra charges uh, for having workers. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that at the end of the day, that's also our one of the benefits um, for hiring a service with us um, because as they are our workers, we need to put more attention in, in things like security, uh, the people, uh, it's more probably that they don't uh, fail into your service because they have a responsibility with, with directly with us and the quality is better and because they have an extra bonuses as you say for the quality of the service that they make uh, so I think but uh, the reality is that our service is more expensive 
-hmm. And that's the way that we can uh, have those benefits or having them as our direct employees. And was that a decision from day one or is it something that evolved over time? Yeah, it was a decision from day one. And that's also one thing that makes us a little bit harder to get investment because a lot of investors were like, oh no, that's a big problem. How you are going to directly hire the domestic worker? That's a huge mistake. But at the end of the day, we realized that that was one of our uh, benefits and because our operations for us it's more easier than for competitors because we have full control of their agendas and that's something that when you hire maybe a, an Uber you hire the service and they make a request and someone has to accept it but we have seen that in the cleaning services it's more difficult because there's not some so formal market so maybe you can hire a service they will send the request and no one will accept it or someone will, will accept it but they will not show up into your service um, uh, so the quality and the perception for the customers, it's really different from one competitor to hire uh, or service like ours. So I think that's kind of the benefit that we have. Very cool. And uh, I imagine that you guys probably track things like re retention, right? How long these staff stay around for, for you know, length of period or what percentage? I meant, do, is there any stats you can share around that? Uh, I don't have that done. <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, but it's higher because, uh, for example, and they know that in the informality, they don't have a fina uh, financial stability. That's one right. thing. Because a lot of customers honestly say like, hey, you know, I'm going for a trip and I will go back in, go back in two weeks. And those are two weeks that she doesn't have a salary. Right. And they come with us and they see that every weekend they will receive the payroll and everything. It's okay. And they are more stability job. And I think that's one of the beneficials. Um, so one other challenge of, of, you know, being in a marketplace is, you know, taking payment of the services off the platform, right? That's very common in this industry, which will affect your revenue model, right? How do you guys overcome that for users that maybe they, they hire them for a couple of services and then they take them offline and pay them in cash? Yeah, that, that's also another benefit that we have in the, in this new model of hiring them directly. Mm -hmm. uh, because customers that want to offer them more money uh, for the, the service, it will, be, it, it will be a thing that we will always have as a company. But I think we need to make a stronger our value proposition for the cleaners. Right. Because it's okay, you will give me more money, but you will warranty me that I will always have this job. No, I cannot do it. Okay, you will give me social benefits. No, I cannot do it. And that's one of the things that make us uh, that we don't have that problem so much as I know that competitors can have it. And also because they have, um, for example, we have a program that is called Dulce Recompensas, where every time that you uh, put five stars on the app, they will receive the equivalent in money so they can buy uh, charges uh, for their phones and and tickets for the cinema and a lot of things that they can do it with that money. Very cool. So you're giving them something a little extra. So cash is not everything. You're giving them like security and a bunch of other benefits to make up for it. Yeah, it makes makes sense. Um, so what in inspires you to make the difference into how women are treated towards the inequality in pay? I guess it's, it's probably more apparent here in, in Mexico, but you know, across the world in general. And what is the difference you're trying to make in the market by uh, you know, providing hope to those people who generally don't have Security yeah. and stability, right? 
Well, right now in Mexico, and I think in, in general, in Latin, we have this big problem. For example, in Mexico, we have 2.3 million domestic workers and only the 1% of those uh, have even social security benefits wow. or a contract. Uh, so we have a really big challenge in front of us. So we see, okay, we want to create this startup, this platform, this technology company, but we also, we want to make a change in the way that we normally see these platforms operate. And we see that's big opportunity to help them and help their families. We have some uh, cleaners that right now they can be able to buy their own home, their own cars and improve the life of them and their families. So I think that at the end of the day, putting all the fancy technology thing apart, we are making a change in their lives. And that's something that makes us that all the people that work for the company, that's their that why they are here. And also the investor, because we realized that not all the investor was for us. And in the past, we were finding investors that they really care about the social impact. So they make a really good fit for us. And, and that's all a really big problem that we all as a team, we want to solve. And that's our mission. I love it. So, uh, so you said 2.3 million people, and then you know one percent of those are actually paid, you know, with benefits. Do you see other industries that are you know ripe for disruption similar to this outside of cleaning, or is there something you guys will look into expanding into the future? You think of? Uh, right now, we don't have it in in the map, mm. and a lot of people has told me, "Hey, do you want to put I don't know electrician in the platform or a gardener?" But uh, I think that we want to focus more about what else I can bring you as a customer to solve your your life inside your home. You know, as I as I take you the products also, and I give you the cleanings. What else I can do for you to make all your host problems easier? And talking about the cleaning and the supplies. Uh, so we want to explore explore more in that area, and then we will see if another services it could be something interesting for us. Makes sense. Um, how do you ensure the security of the customer in case of the worker, you know, coming in and stealing something? Uh, from the house being late or even just not showing up to deliver the service. And then on the other side, right, the security of the worker, right? You've, you know, the strangers, you know, you don't know who you're going into their house. It could be a dangerous, it could, you know, and we've seen that in many cases with companies like, you know, Uber across the world, right, where, where the driver has, you know, uh, affected the user. Yeah, for example, the first problem is uh, about the security because uh, when something is missing in their homes, unfortunately, we're the first person that everyone looks at it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, we have a really uh, a complete process when a new cleaner comes into our platform. For example, we have a criminology team. Okay. And uh, they make these interviews uh, so they can uh, tell us that this person what we that we get into our platform. They doesn't have. They didn't commit a crime in the past or their families. Uh, so, for example, today we have provided more than fifty-three thousand cleaning services, and the probability wow. that we have a, a situation like this is like 0.03%. Okay. So it's really low. That means that we're doing a really good job in the recruiting processes. Okay. And also for the cleaner, and uh, the good thing is that uh, we get all the information about the customers. We, we know where the customer lives and that helps us to avoid that today. We didn't have any of security problems for the cleaners also. Okay, so is there anything else that you think? I mean, you, you, like how do you vet the uh, the users who are requesting um, the cleaning service? Is there something on the vetting on that side? or? Uh, 
We don't have it, but for example, for asking for the address, the credit card information and all that, I think that if a person will be some will be doing something bad and they will not give Fair us enough. that information. Yeah, I mean, it's their own house, right? If you're coming into your house, I mean, it's easier to track someone yeah. who's in the car. Yeah. Um, so now you're growing into one of the you know biggest cities here in Mexico, right? Guadalajara, Mexico City. What are the biggest challenges you currently face to scale and expand across more cities? Is it, you know, the supply of the workers or is it the demand of services of, of this kind? I think the supply of the worker. Okay. Um, good for us is that we have a lot of demand of, for the services in a lot of cities. So that today it's not a problem. I know that in the time that we were growing, we will need more customers. But today that's not a thing. And the biggest challenge here is the supply of the workers. Because the profile is really different from Mexico City to Guadalajara. It's easier in Mexico City to recruit a person because the logistic in Mexico City is so much easier. And here in Guadalajara, it's a really big problem. Uh, for a ride for point A to point B, it's really difficult. It's expensive. And the people it's not get used to those long distances. But in mm -hmm. Mexico City, it's like, I'm okay to go to make a service that I will make two hours to arrive into the service in two hours to come back to my home get used to that logistic and hmm. so i think that was the biggest challenge that we are facing right now um and do you see a a kind of do you think there's enough kind of uh, on on the other side of like a supply of workers to be able to to meet the demand because obviously that there is a demand of the services do you think you'll be able to and accommodate that at, the, at a high level? Yeah, I, I think we can. Uh, and most because a lot of the people that work in our platform, um, they are not uh, clean ladies. We have also people that has work in sales and, or in factories that they also suffer from these informal jobs. So they see a big opportunity with us. So I know that if we arrive to a city and maybe this is not a, a unusual profession, maybe we'll be another ones that can be interested and, and getting to making the services. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, you would think the same with Uber drivers, right? They were not yeah. all taxi drivers <laughs> at the beginning, right? They were someone else and decided to switch. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, you know, I want to share kind of your background. You know, who, who or what have been, you know, three mentors or people and or resources that you think have been instrumental to your growth or influ influential to you uh, to help you to get to where you are today in the last few years? I think what and the family office that getting to uh, our first and then our second funding round in, in Polygono Capital uh, here in Guadalajara, they have been a lot of uh, help for us. They were really smart money. <laughs> okay. And for example, the the creator of that fund, uh, Armando de la Torre, he right now is one of my mentors. Okay. And also another of our investors, uh, Roberto de la Mora, he is the a actual uh, CTO of Microsoft here in Mexico. He's another of my mentors, so they helped me a lot to take decisions and difficult decisions uh, right now in the company because as a, as a solo founder, sometimes I don't have someone to talk about this and they have been a really good support for me during these times. And also reading. Uh, when I have to shut down my first startup, I... At the same time, I was uh, struggled with the financial problems in my family. So I had to go out from college and start my middle sugar. So I didn't 
finished college, I didn't end that. Uh, so I have to read a lot sometimes to start learning about financial things and about marketing and about new things that the company is needing in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I think that reading a lot is something that also helped me. Is, is there a book that you, you felt that was really helpful for you specifically? Yeah, the... The Growth Handbook, I oh. think that's the name. Um, it helped me a lot because it, it literally talks about everything that you need to know as a CEO and as a founder, about how to hire people, how to and get um, people of the company and all the struggles that you will have in the past. That, that's a really great book that I learned a lot. Awesome. Um, yeah, we'll put the link to that, that book in the show notes. Um, I mean, uh, what does success mean to you today, Stefania? I think success right now for us, it's more about how we can grow in and being a leader in the market. That's our biggest goal for us. And we want to grow really fast in Mexico City. We want to be in the top of mind of the people when they struggle with the problem of how my, I'm going to clean my home. Oh, it's really easy. You just go with middle to and they go really fast and solve your problem. That's our biggest goal for us. And we want to meet it in Mexico City because it's a really difficult market. We have international competitors, something that we have never faced here in Guadalajara. So I think what success will be for us when we be in that position. Very nice. Um, any parting advice that you'd like to share with our listeners to help you know, increase their chances of success for wanting to pursue their own entrepreneurial journey, whether it's here in Latin America or anywhere else, but maybe more specifically here? Um, I think uh, focus on creating an MVP when you start it uh, because sometimes you will be really afraid of launching your product or your services and you will always feel that you're not ready for do it. But at the end of the day, you need to focus on create really simple solutions and go out and see if that's something attractive for the customers. And also taking take uh, difficult decisions really fast. Because sometimes as an entrepreneur, you're really afraid of taking hard decisions that will affect your company or maybe your employees or maybe in the direction. But if you don't take it fast, you will regret later. So I think that's something that I have also learned. So I think that's <laughs> an important skill, right? I think a lot of people get stuck in analysis paralysis, but having that uh, ability to make fast decisions or make pivots quickly and make decisions, yeah, I think that's... Mm, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Um, so I think we're going to do something a little different. I know this, we're just kind of wrapping up the interview, but uh, because we're doing this live, what I'd like to do is, you know, ask the folks here with us. So we have Alfonso and Sadat. They may have some questions um, that they want to ask you, if that's cool. Yeah. 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 Okay, cool. Who wants to go first? Um, so this is a question for Sadat. How big is your team and at what point did it make sense to hire each of them? And, you know, what, how, how did you decide if they were the right fit? Uh, right now we're 12 people on the team mm -hmm. and I think uh, as a founder when you realize that you have a really big problem in the company that you are not able to do it and so, or solve it fast that's where you need to start looking for someone that complements your team for example right now recently we have our director of operations in the company he okay. came from Rappi he, he was the former uh, leader of expansion there and he came uh, on our team and that helped us a lot because I realized that as a CEO, as a founder, I was not so, I didn't have so much, so much experience in the operation area and that's our biggest uh, area of the company. So I think that when you realize that learning that new skills will take you more time than hiring a really good person for the team, that's the moment when you need to start looking for someone. Hey, lately, lately there's, been, there's been like this world of entrepreneurial um, spirit on like students and stuff. So... What's your 
like advice on differentiating when when you have like this real problem that can be solved or it's just like this idea that maybe helps them but not there's but there's not a real market for it i think it's when you realize that the customers are willing to pay you for what you're for what you're selling because uh, with my first startup it was something that i like it that i think it will work but then i realized that In 2014, it was not a, such a big necessity as it is right now. And with Midulcio Air, maybe that was not my passion of cleaning homes, but I see the biggest opportunity there. And then I go out and see that the people were willing to pay and the services start start selling them for themselves of by word of mouth. That's where I see, okay, maybe this will be much easier to sell. And I think that customers should tell you what uh, you should do. Uh, about if it's a real necessity or it's something that you as a founder, as a CEO, really likes and out there, people, it's not so so much willing to to buy that. Would you say your passion, so you said initially your passion wasn't, you know, cleaning homes. Would you say that's evolved over time and like you yeah. become attached? Yeah, as I start learning yeah. and see the huge opportunity and how you change not only the cleaners, but the customers lives because they are out to their homes and they have this experience with the service. That's something that I started loving mm. of being, of seeing my, our customers happy and with experience and start seeing the little details that the cleaner do in their homes. And it, it becomes something that I really enjoy love to do it um seeing your past ventures um how do you manage failure or what's your advice in managing failure um i think that for example i told my team that when we have a failure we need to start seeing it as okay we make a, this mistake we need to learn from it and we will never do it again and we need to start creating new solutions every time we make mistakes and we did things uh, wrong for example and uh, during this pandemic uh, we we need to stop doing our interviews for new workers live we need to move it remotely and it was a really huge change because we didn't think that the cleaners were able to to be to have the time to do a video call because we we think that we they will they will not have a really internet connections and everything so we start creating a model uh, so we make a lot of mistakes in making that change from percent from live to uh, online um, interviews and we take all those failures to create a model that right now is allow it allow us to uh, recruit 50% more people that we do it in the past for example <laughs> Um, what do you really attribute your success to? So I know you mentioned some mentors that helped you along the way. Is there something specific that you would say, you know, that that's helped you, you know, and, and you can attribute that to? Um, yeah, I think that one advice that, um, uh, someone gave me in the, in during this time is that everything that happens in your company is your fault. And I think that it's a, like a hard thing to accept, but when you realize that, yeah, maybe if that worker is not so efficient, it's because of I don't train them as I should do it. And that's where I start realizing it was my decisions to change the things that happens around the company in that some, something or someone fails because I didn't act fast as I should do it as a CEO. So that's a really great advice that it makes me see things from another perspective. It's not the fault of my team. It was my fault to not see and don't see those problems and solve them. So I think it's a really good advice that I like it. 
<laughs> taking responsibility, right? I mean, a lot mm. of people like to blame the shift to somebody yeah. else and the government <laughs> and the banks and this and the whole world. But yeah, taking responsibility <laughs> is, uh, is huge. Anything else on your side? Okay, I think we have one more uh, question here from Sadat. Have you ever had to turn down whether a client or, or service provider? If so, what was reasons for that? Yeah, for example, uh, as you mentioned um, before, the cleaners uh, can also uh, rate the customers that they provide the services. And that's really important because uh, we have uh, blocked a lot of customers because they don't treat the cleaners right. They were even kind of racist with them or make comments that they were not good. Um, and yeah, we are, we have a list where they can say, okay, this customer was not nice for, with me because of their reasons. And we evaluate the situation and we have blocked some of the so customers. So you have a blacklist. Yeah, we have a blacklist <laughs> of customers. They don't come back with <laughs> a, as a different name and a different person? Yeah, we block the home, the, the address. The okay. Yeah, because we, <laughs> we realize that they start making another yeah. accounts with other people in the home. So yeah, we block wow. <laughs> the address. Makes sense. Yeah, you can't, you, you can't, you can't just uh, accept that, right? That's part of your culture. Yeah. You build and you yeah, and, and if our mission is to protect and give them more uh, good job for these cleaners, we cannot accept that they arrive to one of these customers' homes. Makes sense, yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, thank you so much. I really appreciate you jumping on SAS District today. Oh, thank hope you, you so enjoyed much. it and uh, hope the best of luck with your, with your company. Yeah, thank you so much for the invitation. It was really great and I hope to... Uh, Thank you all for listening in to this episode and joining SAS District today. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe for future episodes where we interview top leaders in the SAS industry. If you're a SAS company looking to grow and unlock the true value of your business, get in touch with us at horizoncapital.com and myself or one of our consultants will provide a free assessment to help you get there and hit your goals. If you have any feedback or suggestions for this podcast, please DM us on Instagram or LinkedIn at Horizon Capital and help us improve our content for you all. Thanks again and hope to see you on the next one.